<laughs> hey, welcome to Space Bros, the science fiction movie podcast for bad bitch feminists. I'm Mary, and with me is a lady who can ride my tail any old time, Kate. <laughs> what up, girl? Hey, girl. What's up? Oh, you know, just um, just referencing just referencing Top Gun, a movie that I can hardly stand, even though it features <laughs> very young Val, Val Kilmer, which I will watch almost anything with very young Val. Kilmer I was going to say that's a pretty on brand thing for Mary Johnston. So um, yeah, no, that is yeah. on brand. <laughs> Top Gun's incredible boringness is not on brand for me. Yeah, fair. <laughs> I fair. I'm, why is that movie so boring, Kate? Why? I honestly haven't seen it. I tried watching it once as a kid, and, and I fell was, asleep during and it. it was, so it's hard for boring. me. To yes. it was boring. Yes. <laughs> so, like, I hate to admit that I've never seen it, especially because uh, we're about to talk about a movie that was called uh, Top Gun Superhero Movie, but whatever. I don't I don't know. Hey, Mary, hey Mary <laughs> have you ever craved a superhero who thinks she's funnier than the men she makes jokes to think she is? who has more power in her literal pinky than the most heroes we've seen, and who can rock a leather jacket and a Nirvana tee like no one's business while riding motorcycles and flying planes? Because if so, boy, do we have a podcast for you. <laughs> Indeed. Although point of, of although point of order, isn't she wearing a nin shirt? Oh, Nine Inch Nails. Oh, my God. You're so right. I thought it was so much more shameful. It was. It is. It is so much more shameful. Oh, my God. What I really love about that is I feel like we just threw in some fun 90s references, you know? We just really like, gets us into the spirit of uh, of some Captain Marvelness, right? It, it does. It does. This movie was, I did not realize that this was a period piece before I saw it. I mean, it's I think I knew it. It's a period piece, which is kind of lovely but yeah. also hilarious. I kind of knew it cuz I knew that they aged uh uh Sam Jackson down for it with computers. Really good. It does look really good. There's good. there's only a few moments where I was like bleh, bleh, okay. Yeah. But, but like comparatively very few. Very few. Yeah. It's yeah, no yeah. it's no um it's no uh Princess Leia at the end of Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was happy to see her. I was happy to see her. But I think... And it was a nice little flash, but also it, it did not look anywhere near as good as Sam Jackson. No, in no. In most of these scenes. No. And I mean, they also were trying to do, like, the hardest thing possible. And, like, in, like, bright light face on. Like, a lot of times when you see <laughs> Sam Jackson, there's, like, some shading or he's, like... Yeah. He's, like, he's, like, a lot in profile, which I think helps a lot. You don't really get a lot of, like, close-ups of his face really, really, like... Looking at you dead sure. in the eyes, yeah. So I think that they, that, 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 but that was artfully done. It was good. It was. It, it was, was good. It was I think very... they should have just left him old and just been like, deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. You do the yeah. math. He's a Benjamin I Button. They, I think they wanted to flex. You know what I mean? They on did. their yes. uh, on their skills. I mean, anyway, I think it was fine. But uh, Mary, what are what were your first impressions on Captain Marvel? Oh man, I was a big old grouch bag about this. I. <laughs> <laughs> was like honestly i was like <sighs> about it like i was like oh man it's not a marvel movie and like i'm just so weird. and i like i like them. called mary and was like we have to do this i am mega hype about this and so i was I, like i suppose yeah. we yeah. can i was like such a grouch <laughs> i felt jaded and weary approaching this movie um yeah. and and basically felt ambivalent towards it. I was like, all uh -huh. right, let's just let's let's just see what they got. I suppose. I suppose. Sure. 
that is how I, that was my first impression of this film. Well, what was your first impression upon seeing it? Oh, I feel much better about it. Okay. <laughs> I feel much okay. better about it. But like I that that's how I that was my first impression upon thinking of seeing this movie. I think that it delivers in many 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 ways that the that Wonder Woman certainly sure. didn't um and I think that it is personally for me more powerful like for my minority set or my oppressed people set. Yes. I liked that it existed in the world in a world where we ex- we point out misogyny i liked that yeah, I thought yeah. that where, felt where good. that oppression exists and so yes. instead of like ignoring it we get to face it and tear it down yes. yeah i, I, am I agree 1000 f- percent. i am coming from a more privileged uh, oppressed course. people set so maybe that has something to do with it but yeah. that is definitely true so i liked i felt the realism of this movie was very refreshing and i liked it i liked it a lot yeah. So let's uh, let's give a plot overview. Um, guys, this is the story of a girl lost in the cosmos, looking for herself and looking for love. Just kidding! <laughs> it's the story of a badass woman who doesn't remember anything about her past, except that six years ago she was, quote, rescued by the Kree and, quote, given powers. But when on a mission, uh, pieces start to click into place and she begins to realize that she isn't fears at all, but Carol Danvers, Air Force pilot and actual hero, who has some choices to make. This is the origin story for Captain Marvel. It is the origin story of Carol! <laughs> Carol! 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 <laughs> she doesn't exist! Sorry, that's uh, some always sunny, uh, you know, Charlie in the middle Carol! <laughs> Literally, all these people exist and they're looking for their mail. (laughs) They're asking for their mail daily. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, what Um, I I thought was really interesting about this movie, actually, it reminds me of... (laughs) It reminds me a lot of my, like, definitely, speaking of young Val Kilmer, definitely one of my top five favorite movies of all time, Real Genius, which is basically, which is basically about, like, it, it has the same, the same narrative thread of, like, interrogate people who are interested in your power and ask mm-hmm. yourself if these are unjust systems. That are yep. so interested in your power. Like, I love, I think that that's such a, a subtle and cool message to put out there. So I loved that about this film. I thought that that Absolutely. was like, like kind of the, the end, like the, the overall thread that wove it all together. And I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's interesting. So I think that this movie resonates with a lot of people from everything they read and I listened to after it first came out. But I do think it says something particular about the female experience, uh, kind of like what you said, like that actual specificity, like actually facing down that oppression. So we're a feminist podcast. Is this movie feminist? And uh, yeah, is this movie feminist? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it delivers on, it, you know, it delivers on the promises that were made to me personally by... <laughs> <laughs> by others yeah, yeah. for like Frozen and Wonder Woman. I think this is a feminist uh, superhero movie and I am pleased yeah. about it. Yeah. And I honestly, there isn't, if it's going to be a, a white woman, there isn't someone better, I think, than Brie Larson that I could ask for to be uh, the avatar of that power. 
Yeah, no, I'm I'm I'm, I'm indoor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Into it. Let's dive in to like how this film reflects on that female experience. In a scene after Beers crashes to Earth, um, and is wearing her Cree uniform is trying to retrace her identity on Earth, a dude bro on a motorcycle pulls up and makes a joke about her uniform, which is outlandish, saying she's going scuba diving. When she doesn't laugh at his very not funny joke, he says, Lighten up, honey, huh? You got a smile for me? She doesn't, but she does have some sticky fingers for his motorcycle, which she uh, proceeds to take. Um, a male reporter interviewing Brie Larson after seeing the screener asked if they added that scene after a bunch of 4chan dinguses had all complained that Captain <laughs> Marvel didn't <laughs> yeah, Captain Marvel didn't smile in the trailer. And Brie Larson explained that, no, that's just shit dudes say every day to women. Which really brings us to our first theme. How does Captain Marvel tell the story of the female experience, the everyday and kind of the mundane of what it is to be a woman and to be told how to exist? Mary? Indeed. Well, um, so the first one we had as kind of our first uh, bullet was that um, there's a, a ongoing mantra of uh control your emotions well should we call her veers or should we call her carol i feel like we should call her carol well, that's I her i only called her veers in that because that's when she still thinks she's fears so i've been like alternating but that but you're right that is confusing we should go ahead and call her uh carol captain marvel she has literally three names in this movie uh carol danvers captain marvel and veers because um because Jude Law's character, Jan Rog, is literally <laughs> dumb, picked up a tiny piece of a, a military tag and was like, Virus sounds like a name. Sure. <laughs> well, his name hilarious. is Jan Rog, to be <laughs> yeah, fair. fair. <laughs> so, I mean, um, <laughs> there's someone out there whose name is Jan Rog who's like, hey. Um, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> pretty sure it's not a thing. Um, no, but the only th- she does tell him to call her Carol. So I'm going to call her mm-hmm. Carol, too. Um, yeah, of course. But so we have this ongoing thread where um, basically when she is um, when she is with the uh, <laughs> the aliens that are like the equilibrium um, g- gun ninjas. Kree. Yeah, the Kree. Yeah, yeah, the Kree. She, uh, they're like, Jude Law is always like, you're letting your emotions get in the way. Use your brain, not your heart. Yeah, one of the first scenes like we see of them fighting, he's like, nothing's more dangerous to a warrior than emotion. Which yes, Which, I don't know if you've ever been told by a coworker that you were being emotional, or by anyone who was trying to just put you down. Like you know, of course, of course. Yeah. I will say that mm-hmm. this is like classic comic book fodder. Mm-hmm. I. It is, it is better because it is about a woman, which I will get to in a minute. But like, yeah. this is like, I feel like this is like any, any movie about an exceptional human is someone being like, well, if you want to be really exceptional, you need to get rid of all of your humanity, a.k.a. your feelings. And then they're like, no, because this is a movie for people and other humans. My humanity is what makes me extra great. Sure. Um, and that and, you know, you see it in American and um, how we frame who our enemies are and who our enemies aren't. We tend to think about like the rope. We, we refer to our enemies as being robotic, so it's easier to kill them. So I it didn't it didn't escape me that this is like this is some like, you know, this is something that speaks to the American dream in a very specific way. However, sure. however, on the other hand, 
it's better. Like if I saw this about a, a male superhero, I'd be like, good grief and like roll my eyes. And it is actually something that gets weaponized against us. Yes. All the time. That's that's why I think. Yeah. The, and I agree. But that is what I think makes it better. Is that like, yes, again, specificity and relevance. Yes. It is actually something that gets held against you. Um, I, I, for one, and I hope that this doesn't feel off topic. When I cry, 90% of the time, I'm crying because I'm angry. And then I'm even angrier because I'm crying because people perceive that as weakness. And then I'm crying even harder. And it's a vicious cycle. But, like, if only I could just fucking cry sometimes because it's a physiological response and not, like, feel like that puts me at such a disadvantage in the eyes of everyone around me. But, you know, emotions are weakness. Feelings are bad. You know, whatever. Be better at keeping that shit in check. Are you on your period? Anyway, sorry. Um, I wish that um, it is actually amazing. No one made a period joke in this, but anyway, whatever. I um uh, maybe they couldn't get it past <laughs> the censors. Um, I I have a I have a life changing tip that I sure did read in like uh, an article about like how women can deal with the workplace, which is uh-huh. that if you pinch the like fatty part of your palm that connects your thumb to your body really really hard, you will absolutely never feel like crying again. Like, it just, like, I don't know. It's some sort of weird nerve-ending thing. Put the, Keep that in your back pocket. But also, Thank isn't you. it sad that we need that as an idea? Um, yes! <laughs> Is it satisfying to find out that um, that her her emotions actually are the source of her power? Yes, it is not surprising, but it is satisfying. Sure, and I yeah. think, um, I mean, like to 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 do like a full alley oop, and I feel like they kind of get around this a little. Like they, they they hint at this. I wish it was a little bit more explicit, but it's there, so it's it's good enough. Is that everybody is ruled by their emotions? Like those guys don't actually check their emotions at the door. They're not ruled by logic. Like that is a fallacy. The the the, the misogynistic idea that women are ruled by feelings and that's why we're so wrong all the time and yeah. men are ruled by logic and that's why they get to run everything and um set the planet ablaze is <laughs> Like, is a fallacy. They're also run by feelings. Everybody is run by feelings. There are not, there are not, there's not some, just because you call it logic doesn't mean that it is. Well, and honestly, I feel like that is something in the reality of the movie. There's this um, scene where, uh, where Carol is starting to figure out that maybe everything isn't what it seems and that she was from planet C-53 or Earth. And she's on the phone, basically, with Jan Rog, her mentor. And she, he says, stop. Remember your training. Know your enemy. It could be you. Don't let your emotions override your judgment. And literally, she's talking about her judgment here. Like, he's, like, it's just a, a code word, basically, he uses in any situation where she's doing something that he doesn't want her to do. It doesn't even literally have to be emotions. No, no, um, no, no nothing about it. Yeah, he just does. Yeah. He just says it when it, it's a it's a means of control, which is yeah, also it's a, a means. It's, of- it's a it's a movie of the goalpost, yes. which also happens a lot. Yeah, you know? no, it's definitely he is the one, and I even think at the end, which we'll we'll get to, like when we get to that <laughs> section, yeah. but but where he tries to kind of goad her again. And it's clearly yeah. about his pride, that his feelings are getting in the way of his best tactical move, truly. Yeah. That, yeah. And she and she just owns it. <laughs> like, I feel like yeah. that's also a scene, a scene where it's like, you're not actually ruled by anything that's more special than feelings. Don't yeah. pretend like you are. You can't just brand it as something different. Um, yeah. You, you, yeah. 
100%. Yeah. Um, I did also like, I felt like another nice little tip of the hat to that was that um, they really warmed uh, the character of Nick Fury up in this. He's always been very funny in these kind of movies. Yeah. Um, but like his intense reaction to the cat goose I felt oh like, oh my god, yes, yeah. and like carrying him around. Nick and, Fury and, being a mega cat guy, yeah. Um, Which and I, I know that you have an orange cat. You know that I love an orange cat. It was yeah, very, no, it was very my pleasing. Cat looks very much like Goose. Um, so it was a lot of fun. It was especially fun watching it, not at home because it's not available on DVD yet, but um, with my cat beside me because you know whatever. However, that <laughs> you works. Watching the trailer um, when you watch the trailer at home. <laughs> yes, with your when cat? I watched the trailer with my cat right beside me, I was like, oh. <laughs> um absolutely and i thought that there were like nice little moments like the um what's his name the main uh talos yes talos i thought that it was nice when you realized that like as a so captain so captain marvel or carol doesn't really have like like a people that she's fighting for she's figuring out who her people are this entire time and she has like a you know she has a a chosen family and that sort of thing but it was nice to have it flipped where you see that that very sweet moment where he finds his family again and clearly his the reason he does all his stuff is because of feelings and community yeah and love absolutely he is a character people who they call a villain this whole time is Or is someone who's guided just by wanting to find the people he loves again and not wanting to stop at anything to do that. Yeah. Which, which... is funny because it seems like Maria Rambo, who we find out, you know, is Carol's best friend, would have done the same thing. Like, tried her very hardest to do everything she could to find Carol because she believed she was still alive, you know? Right. Well, or at least she hoped. No, it's like, it's lovely. Like, I so I feel like they, they peppered the film with people who are at least coded as male who clearly are in touch with their emotions and that is good. Absolutely. And those are the, and those are the good guys and the ones that are pretending like they're using logic are the bad guys. That was very powerful mm-hmm. and good. Yeah, agreed. Agreed 100%. Um I thought it was really interesting. So um the Cree is run by the Supreme Intelligence, which is it seems like um an AI simulation that appears to each person based on like who they admire most. So for uh, Carol Danvers, it appears as Dr. Wendy Lawson, uh, the the woman who was designing the planes that uh, Carol Danvers and Maria Rambo would take on test flights because women weren't allowed to fly in combat in 1989 for the Air Force. So this felt like a way that they could actually make a difference. And they were really drawn to Dr. Lawson, but um, she doesn't remember who Lawson is, but I think it was very interesting that the Supreme Intelligence becomes this woman that she loves because it seemed to be the perfect literal embodiment of the way in which um, systems of oppression and uh, particularly male power can pit women against each other. Um, And I thought that was incredibly powerful. Um, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. Absolutely. And I agree. Like, definitely, uh, definitely you have the optics of that where you have it's like, oh, no, I'm your friend. I'm another woman. What could I do to you? I'm a trusted being. Just like if I were in a in a tight spot, um, I would look for somebody um, who uh, who looks like Marvel. Like I would look for a a woman who reminded me of my mom. Right. Like that's 100 percent. That's like standard. Oh, my God. Marvel does remind me of Ann Johnston, by the way. Yes. That's such a perfect analogy. Yeah. So and then and then to have those people be the people who are like pulling your strings and like just using using that in like that um, 
unearned trust that just like implicit trust that you think yeah. of between that lives between women because we we have shared experiences and blah 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 especially women who have like who have earned each other's trust and once you earn another woman's yeah. trust like you can have a very deep and intimate relationship we'll get to that in a second but yeah using unearned trust i like that yeah and it's just so it's like a it's a complete um perversion of that in the community that exists among women so that's deeply upsetting to see and and you realize then you know because it's a comic movie still so even though i think this one is more um nuanced and like has cool cooler ideas than most comic book movies i've seen um you know we still have the black hats and the white hats right so we know, yeah. and then this is one of those things. This is like if uh, this is like the if if um, the supreme intelligence killed a dog, you're like, oh, that guy's a bad bad guy. <laughs> then, but like yeah. for women, I think that that's like shorthand for us. We're like, oh, it's a woman who is actually like like being really shitty to another woman. That's not okay. Yeah, and well, it's really funny that you said um, she, like it perverts this relationship because well. I literally have that in my notes. Um, takes on the shape of close female mentor and perverts the relationship because it is that. It is like it's more than just like wrong. It is it is a perversion. It's a betrayal on such a level that it's like grotesque, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's it's very messed up. And I also think that it's a little bit of the away because they know who she is. Like uh Carol yeah. does not know. Well, and we find out, like, and I uh, like it's implied, but I guess I didn't really pay attention to it the first time I saw the movie that the Kree have gone in and fucked with their brain. Like, they have changed her memories to try to um, hide oh, sure. their influence. And so, it like, so they're very much choosing, like, what narrative she sees. Well, you and, know? and they definitely know who Maravel is. Like, yep. you know, like, so felt a little bit of, like a way of controlling her also uh absolutely right like she's dead there's no way for them to change that narrative except they can do it this way and they can yeah. further they can further degrade the things she tried to do by taking on her vestige and using it to their own means which is also really messed up carol danvers finds out uh at the midpoint or mid like a little bit later of the movie that she's been on the wrong side of this war that Marvell uh, found out that the Kree were just trying to exterminate the Skrulls, who uh, only because they had rebelled against Kree domination, and that she needed, she didn't want to fight for the Kree anymore. She wanted to just end the war. She wanted to save the Skrulls. And Carol Danvers finds this after spending her life, think her the last six years, thinking that she's a Kree warrior and. Finds it out from a scroll who's basically like, so you have to help us. And she goes outside and it's handheld camera. And she like kind of is freaking out and says, I don't even know who I am. You don't know me. You have no idea who I am. I don't even know who I am. You are Carol Danvers. You are the woman on that black box risking her life to do the right thing my best friend who supported me as a mother and a pilot when no one else did you were smart and funny and a huge pain in the ass and you were the most powerful person i knew way before you could shoot fire from your fists it isn't a mistake that in her moment of existential angst in her moment of crisis and loss of identity that her best friend a woman is who guides her and roots her that 
that's a reflection of the female experience. That is a reference to not just every female friendship, but the deep and intimate ones you can achieve. The I would like to say one that I feel like I have with my co-host on this podcast. I don't just feel like I have. I don't even need Mary to say we have it. We do. Well, that's, I'm going to say it anyway. You just try to stop me from saying <laughs> we do. Yeah. Um, no, I loved I loved this relationship and I loved Maria a lot. I would love to yeah. I'm dying to know what she's doing in that Louisiana swamp. Um, oh my god, right? I was yeah. like I was like what are you like are you like a <laughs> like a, a, pl- a prop plane flyer? Like what is what are you yeah. doing over there? Um like great, but I want more details. Um Agreed. Okay, but what is what is your job now? Because it seems like you don't test planes anymore. So, yeah. 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 And they uh, yeah. And, and you could. Well, now hopefully she's going to go work for Nick Fury. But well, I, I want to talk a little bit about Maria Rambo and Carol Danvers. Um, yes. Because I've thought a lot about this. And as as a regular listener will know, because I feel like I don't go an episode without talking about it. I'm really sorry, guys. I'm a queer woman. And uh a lot of lesbians upon seeing this movie were like obviously this is a relationship about two lovers and part of that's uh influenced by we see a flashback of carol as a tiny kid being told about the cosmos and then it fades into that tiny kid is monica maria's daughter and she's being told that story by carol but upon rewatch for this podcast um i think it's also easily coded as friendship but the thing is it is a queer level of friendship And by that, I mean, it's a deep, intimate bond of friendship that literally nothing can destroy. Not moving out of town, not changing jobs, or losing your fucking memories and thinking you're part of an alien race. She doesn't have to remember anything about herself, but when she's talking to Maria and telling, like, and Maria's telling Carol the story of the morning she disappeared, Maria's like, You wanted to race to base in your old Mustang? And I wasn't about to argue because I knew my Camaro would dominate, but you cheated took a shortcut since when was a shortcut cheating since it violates the predetermined rules of engagement i definitely don't remember those Mm, of course you don't (laughs) (laughs) it's this moment of joking that's like a deep bond and the reason why i say it's queer is it's because it's outside of this patriarchal notion and by that i mean a societal notion uh at least historically and at least in 1989 and 1995 i feel like less so now thanks to works like broad city etc of what female friendship should be that it could be the most profound relationship in your life. Absolutely. So I agree. The bottom with that. line is maybe they're lovers, maybe they aren't, but it really, truly doesn't matter. The point is that their bond is deep and intimate, and therefore queer in comparison to the expectations and allowed intimacies of friendship. I agree with that entirely. I first, well, I'm not. I mean, I think this movie is savvy enough to leave room for interpretation there because they know sure. people, they know fans course, are going to want. Of course, it. I think that I think that's yeah. what I mean by like when I say it doesn't matter is that like it yeah. can literally go either way and make logical sense. Yes, I personally do not read their relationship as that of sexual love. I think they're platonic. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For a cu- for a couple reasons, I mean, mostly yeah, it's just upon like the second time viewing. Yeah, I, do, I feel like I, I have probably more than I feel like you and I have this kind of relationship, so it's like and not- that's that's why honestly <sighs> watching this, I yeah. was like, no, that would be Mary and yeah, I. Yeah, you know? that's just, and I feel like I would like to think that the movie, if the movie was like, no, obviously they are lovers. I feel like they would have gone there, like they would yeah. have made that explicit. Yeah. Um, it it is nice to give the queer community something that is ambiguous enough that you can project yourself oh, onto yeah. it because I mean, so little media does that. Like you have to like erase yes. a male from it. 
but <coughs> Black Panther. <laughs> um, um, yes. Oh my God. Yes. Also, literally Buffy and Faith. Let's be honest. Like that's a yeah. Clear they totally did care. that. Whatever. Yes, they did. You're right. Yeah. No, it's nice. It's nice that they're like like they're not afraid of the ambiguity. Yeah. I do think that if it's like if that was going to be like a central plot, or they would have just put it in because I think that this movie is gutsy enough to do that. And if Carol gets a girlfriend in the future, that would not surprise me. Like I would be like, yeah, that absolutely. Makes sense. And Absolutely. I it would be fine. It would make sense. It also would be yeah. fine. It makes sense if she were with a man. Honestly, I feel like Carol is yeah. just con- like, I think she can be powerful. And I would just assume that she might be pansexual. I would not assume any identity on her because she's a goddamn. She just does what she, she can just do whatever she wants. Um, she can do whatever she wants. <laughs> literally whatever she whatever wants. She wants. <laughs> I just, I just gotta say when she's shooting down like warheads, what I love is she's like whooping out there. She's like, having a good ass time yeah. like with her with her feeling herself it's amazing yeah. it's so fun but yeah. i definitely want to echo, echo your thought i like i feel like it's to me it's more powerful if it's platonic because i think it's the notion of family can exist between adults and it not be sexual i think that that's like yeah. a great a great thought and something that i've i agree i have enjoyed and experienced in my life and i think that it's important to celebrate that bond that women can have together so I I want that more. I also don't want there to be the optics of Carol as a true absentee stepmom to a black child. Like oh, that bothers 100%. me. So yeah, I think, and especially because it seems like she disappears at the end of this movie and she doesn't come back for another twenty four years. So right, that exactly. Would be a so real I'm like, bummer. So I'm much yeah. more okay with her being Aunt Carol than I am her being Mom Carol. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Yeah, I think um, I think if she and Maria were like were like it's in a sexual relationship, she wouldn't leave them. Like she'd I stay agree. with them. No, I I agree. I think that that's one hundred percent a solid read. It's funny. It kind of reminds me of um, I got a little bit depressed when I went to college, and I remember talking to you and being like, it just seems like everyone expects that like you get married and like you stop being able to have friends, and you're like, that's the choice you make. You don't have to do that and that's the kind of friendship i feel like they have like the kind that like is deeper and one that you choose like it's family it's if monica <laughs> literally says you weren't close to your family so we were your family you know yeah it's sweet it's so sweet yeah and i like how that's said and it's like it's not that's not the like um that's not the like dun 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 at the end of that sentence there's no like moment of realization she's just like yeah she wasn't close to our family so we were a family and so and like and they just keep going and it's just yeah like, they keep going with ab- all the other reveals yeah, yeah it's just like it's just like natural a like moment. it's just like obviously yeah. like that was just what had that is what happened like it's fine you know um and i like that that well, was so chill Absolutely. What's funny is the whole reason why this comes up is because there really isn't a flash of male love story like ever. Um, but I rewatching it, I loved there's this opening scene. The whole movie starts with Carol having a bad dream, waking up, and she knocks on this dude's door and he opens it in a state of undress, and it's Jude Law, who's like, you know, mega babe. Like, let's let's all just be real. Still, how old and is Jude Law? I have literally no idea. I don't think he ages. He might actually be an alien. But, he probably um, is an alien. Yeah, but she's like, I can't sleep. And it's one of those moments that, like... You expect this to be a booty it's call. It's so early. Yeah, they, they would go into each other's room in any other movie. And, like, yep. you know, it'd be a scene about people hooking up. But she's like, I can't sleep want to fight and like it literally moves to them beating each other up it's great 
That's so fun. <laughs> I so much prefer that. It is so fun. I also think that it might be a little bit of a commentary on, like, it's definitely cool that she is so powerful and strong. I think yeah. it might be a little bit of commentary, cheeky or no, and to the idea of, like, fighting as a replacement for sex. Sure. Of by framing right. it that way. But and, it does not ever feel like they have any sort of sex. No, no, no. She's definitely because not. Because she's very, like, honestly, and again, no. She thinks she's very funny. I think she's very funny. It does not seem like he thinks she's very funny, but like all of her jokes are kind of dry and a little bit like underhanded at him, you know? So it's not, and not like a, <laughs> but like, you know, you know, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. it's great. It's yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. But I thought it was, actually- I love that very eloquent analysis I just did that was just two uh, versions of me laughing. Um, <laughs> hope everyone enjoyed that. <laughs> No, but I like. I felt like it was like a kind of a kind of an interesting commentary in a superhero movie because it's all it is is people fighting. I'm like, are all these people? Yeah. Are all these people doing this because we can't? Because it's for children, so we can't watch them have sex for some reason. Is that why? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but no, I yeah. definitely, I definitely appreciated that we didn't have. She didn't have to have um, a Mister Marvel um, in this. Yeah. Um, yes. And it's mostly I feel. It, Right, it like neatly sidesteps. In this story, I think it would feel very inappropriate because you have Absolutely. Carol basically like overcoming Carol. Carol overcoming the patriarchy, and then to have to have a love story in there too seems to be almost like a way of being like not all men, and yeah. Yeah. or like pushing her back into a male gaze space, which I think she pretty much isn't in at all in this movie. It, she's not. I uh, mean, she's beautiful, would- but like it's not. She's never, like, we never, like, get a shower scene with her. Anything, anything gnarly like that. In addition to it being weird to have it, like, a not all, not all men would be, like, how I would feel about a romantic subplot here. Yeah. Um, I, I, and, and you do kind of have that because you have good allies. Like, Fury is a good ally to her. Um, sure. She has other a, a, men. A, a man of color and an alien. <laughs> yeah, and an She's alien. But <laughs> coded as male, right? Like, they're sure. good allies no, to her. Absolutely. It's just subtler. It gives the it gives the it gives the the story a, a good balance. I would say um, for sure. It, I hope like I don't think men feel like this movie's attacking them in the way that like they might feel about other pieces of feminist cinema. And and like we've said, th- I this passes the test of feminist th- cinema. You know, like yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think so anyway. I um, think so. Yeah. Um, also, I would I would say, who exactly would she be into in this story? Like, there isn't, there's truly no time for love, Dr. Jones, in this story. Like, I don't, yeah. there's not. It's also not that big of a time span that we spend in this no, story. No, no, it takes. Like, a, it's maybe like 72 hours. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Of course, like a long weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Guess how long this movie takes. So, yeah, that would be like, do you spend every, like. Every long weekend, finding your next love, like, not nah. like. No, well, she's just... got other fish to fry for sure. Exactly. Also, so do some of the rest. Of them. I'm just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, sorry. But um, but it feels very natural. Like, and I think that it's um, yeah. What I really liked about this was because we were doing because I knew we were doing this. I was paying attention to things like this. I think if I weren't, if I weren't going to prepared to do a podcast, I would have seen this, and then maybe it would have hit me like. At several hours or a day later, I'm like, huh, she didn't really have a romantic uh, subplot. That's really cool. Yeah, it's not heavy handed. They don't. It just feels natural. It It just, it just feels natural. It just feels natural. Like she's just a person. Yes. And the way that, you know, movies about dudes don't have to involve like them being in love with women. Like it's just a thing. It's just there. 
Yeah, I do. I do. And this is like um, this is not a mark against this movie at all, because I like the direction they took this in. I do. It did make me start thinking about how um, how I read movies that have sexual relationships in them. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if because we live in a garbage world, if (laughs) garbage, if yeah, it it feels necessary to demand chastity from heterosexual heroes that are women. Well, and that's, that's, that's what I don't want. And I think that's, again, part of the reason why, um, uh, some people like really, I didn't like coded her as queer Mm -hmm. in part because like, it means that she doesn't have to be asexual or chaste. Like she had that relationship. She's just, it's a long weekend. She's just remembering everything. But, um, you know, I, I don't want that for her either. Um, and, I, and we'll, well, hopefully that'll that'll all shake out. But it, it's just—I'm sure that it will. The thing is, what I meant by like movies about men, it doesn't have to be a thing. No. And the problem is that there just are so few movies that have a female protagonist made by women that have like blockbuster budgets that aren't like B movies that um you end up having to ask them all to be. You have to ask them all, like, what they are being and evaluate them. It's, like, it's hard for me not to compare this movie to Wonder Woman because there have been two female-led superhero movies. It's period. all we got. Period. <laughs> like, that's that's it. And, and, like, in recent memory. And by recent memory, I mean, like, the last 10 years, 15 years? Like, seriously. Like, I, Electra by Jennifer Garner is the next thing that comes to mind. And I think none of us want to revisit that. So, like, no let's, just, let's no. just talk about recent memory and, like, and the bottom line is that it's it's not enough. Like, those can't be the only two things because then you end up being like, so one of them is about a woman in love with a dude and the other one is about a woman who, like, some people read as queer, some people read as asexual, some people read as it's literally a weekend, like, you know, let her have a break. But, like, we just break. need more stories. She's got a lot of other stuff going on. <laughs> she's got a lot of other things going on. Maybe she's just not worried about it. So Kelly Sue DeConnick, uh, who we have talked about her works in here. She was uh, the writer of Bitch Planet, uh, plug for an earlier episode, was interviewed by Polygon.com in December of 2018. And she said, Carol Danvers falls down all the time, but she always gets back up. We say that about Captain America as well, but Captain America gets back up because it's the right thing to do. Carol gets back up because fuck you. (laughs) And I love that quote because what's so powerful about Carol and what's so powerful about this emotions thing to kind of tie these two together is that she's being told, you know, to check her emotions, but it is her pride, her determination and her anger that help her to get up every single time she's been knocked down. It's not just because it's right. It's because fuck you. I can do it. And that is, I think, really strong about the female experience, but also it leads us to these amazing scenes, like this final showdown with uh, the Supreme Being when she's learned her history and they're playing Nirvana and it's this beautiful scene and she realizes that like every time the Supreme Being and Jude Law's character, Jan Rog, have said, <laughs> Jan Rog. have said, your power has been given to you and it can be taken away. Anything given can be taken away. But really what they have been saying is them giving her power has been the thing that it's meant to control and check her power. 
and she can just crush it. And you see her like in two realities. You see one moment of her in this like dream world in this uh in this AI simulation where she's fighting, and then you see her body that's like plugged in with cords in the real world start to like levitate, start to like glow, start to like explode things. And it's just this moment of like you see this on the screen the AI is showing her all these times that she's fallen down and saying like, before us, you were just weak. You were just a human. And and the next moment that comes is she remembers not what she's shown every time she got back up. And it's kind of like that moment in Buffy season two, where she's fighting angel. And at the very end, he's, uh, he's like you have no friends you have no weapon we're here what do you have left and she catches his sword and says me it's this moment of like claiming your power and realizing that like you're enough she's a badass it's beautiful also it's a reference to another buffy scene but like i don't want to talk about that because it would literally spoil the series so you know that is the buffy scene i (laughs) thought you were talking (laughs) about (laughs) that was what i was originally talking about and i was like "Mm, maybe buffy has been over for like a decade i feel like we can spoil okay guys guys just skip forward 10 seconds if you haven't no well let's make it 30 seconds anyway the point is there's a scene at the very end of Buffy, the Buffy series finale, where all the potential slayers are given the power to become a slayer. And there's even literally a girl at a baseball game, just like Carol at a baseball game, who is like about to like take her shot and like feels her power come into herself and then takes her shot. And it's amazing. It's like perfect mirrored shots of like girls finding their power and their strength inside of themselves that was always there and was always theirs i actually even like it better than the, i like this one better than the buffy moment because i, I mean like the, i like the buffy moment too it's fine yeah, although it's that's like that's like in season seven which is everything sure. is like going to hell um but i i do feel like buffy ends very well but yeah okay. yes the ending is satisfying uh, the lead the, the lead up to it is tough um the lead up into it is some tough shit tough yeah. stuff um yes but I like it better because it's not, it's something that's inherent to all these people as opposed to like Buffy being like, call, being like, call the Slayers and like, and then like imbu- imbibing yeah. them oh, with power. Willow using power. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like it's just Instead, like, it's, it's like not... just what is in her. It exactly. is the fact that like every time she crashed a car, fell down, like knocked, like was pushed down or couldn't like reach the second rope in her training and crashed hard, she stood back up. Every time. And that's yeah. the bottom line. Is well, it doesn't matter. Yes, she was just human, but being human is enough. Yeah, and it's it's about her trusting her abilities. Like that's what it is to stand back up again, right? Which I think yeah. is is the like the, the, the central idea of like you have these powers, but they can be taken away from you at any moment. She's like, No, <laughs> yeah. they can't because they're inherent to me. No one takes those powers away from me, which is yeah. wonderful. It's um, beautiful. It's powerful. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I know I like I like all this part this part of this film a lot. Uh, going back to my real genius comparison, I love um, you know it's you, you need to question institutions of oppression who yes who are telling you um, how to use your your gifts because you know part of that is they're installing they're installing all these kill switches as they go or they're trying to make you think that they have at the very least because yeah. you're only helpful to them if they can control them 
And Absolutely. You need to ask yourself, like, who's really afraid of who here? Who really is in charge here? If if they're so worried that they need to brainwash me, is it because I could take them down? That's very that's a that's a good that's a good call, especially for for young people. Not in a pandering way, but something that felt organic was all the moments of genuine like female empowerment of like just promoting this idea. Like there's this moment where Carol has announced that she's going to take the scrolls and find a home, and Monica's bummed about it, and it's like you know maybe I'll fly and see you, and Fury's like you can fly when you can glow like your Auntie Carol. And she says, maybe I'll build a spaceship. You don't know. And Carol says, he doesn't. He doesn't know. And it's, it's amazing. It's just like this tiny moment. But it's a moment where like, no, no one knows what your power is. You're right. You're the only one. You are literally the person who sets how much power you have. It's yeah. your choice. And also like, don't, I love, I love Monica also as a, as a, as a, as a person of being like, don't don't hide what makes you special. Like when they're talking about um, when they're talking about the aliens and how like it's like oh they've, they've got these crazy she eyes. The eyes and she's like yes. she says to the other child alien, "I love your eyes. Never let anyone change your eyes." Yes, I was yes. like, it's like was amazing. It was so sweet. Sweetest thing. No way. Never change your eyes. You have the best eyes. It's so sweet. She's Monica's perfect. Apparently, and I have not read enough of the Carol Danvers comic, comics. Monica has uh has a future in those uh hmm, i should certainly hope so <laughs> yeah no of course but uh but she definitely does so you know that's good that's pretty um, pretty fun i think um, i think the person that draw that drives this even more so than the um oh man what's it called the supreme intelligence supreme intelligence yep. yes Yes. Uh, I think even more so that the person who is sort of uh, behind Carol's ideas about her powers and tries to brainwash her is yep. is Jude Law's Yon Rog. Yon Rog. Yon Rog. He's like, he's, and I, I love I love all the stuff they do with him. Like, I love I love when she's finally going to, like, take him down. And he tries to do that whole. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. You've come a long way since I found you that day by the lake. But can you keep your emotions in check long enough to take me on? Or will they get the better of you as always? I always told you, you'll be ready the day you can knock me down as yourself. This is that moment. This is that moment, Fears. Turn off the light show and prove, prove to me you can beat me without the I have nothing to prove to you. I love I love what it does where it's like men love to pretend that like talented women are something to be discovered. Like he has to find yes. her. And then that means that that then she truly can her talents can be shown to the world. But he has to find her first. And he like loves the fact that it's his blood that they transfused into her as if she can. Be yes, because like, it makes it, him feel like he owns her. Or, or that she's an extension like, of him. Yeah, exactly. that he can like pick and choose like her best talents and be like, yep, that's me. That was because of me. Not and yep. not have anything to do. He does not even treat her like she's her own person. Um, yep. But I like, I especially like the scene where where she blasts him anyway, and then and then tells him, "I don't have to prove anything to you." Like says it in like a normal indoor speaking voice. It's just like very, 
Yeah. And I think it's like a little bit of a summation of all of the scenes that you see before where it's men taunting her into hurting herself, basically, like taunting her in situations where like she needs support and love from other people at the very least or friendship from other people, encouragement and the ability to fail or succeed. But but a a safe space to do those things in right and i love the way that you phrased that um situations where she would hurt herself right like right and so and instead they like goad her into doing things that like maybe she's not quite ready for or they goad her into doing things that are too risky and she hurts herself right and he's trying to do the same thing he's trying to goad her into a situation where she will hurt him herself and she's like you know what actually i'm not playing those games anymore because that's not fair (laughs) It's not a fair thing to do to yeah. myself. I'm not I'm not into it. No, it's, thank you. It's not a game I have to play. No. I don't have to like I don't have to impress you. I I already know and I know that you know that I'm super powerful. Period. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like what Monica said to her. You were the most powerful person I knew before you could shoot out of your like before you could something about your hands. Take shoot that shoot fire I, out of your hands. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Boil tea with one hand. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I liked that. I thought that that was, that was very, very um, smart storytelling. And I also loved how it was clear that she was so powerful. Like that that was like, she's like Superman level powerful. Um, but I also like that. And maybe this is just like how far we've progressed with superheroes, right? Like, since sure. super since like our first initial ideas with Superman. So Superman is like supremely powerful, but they have to make him like a corn fed all American like kind of yokel kind of guy so that people don't like feel he's scary, <laughs> you know? And I yeah. like I like to know and maybe and this is probably because of Marvel films as much as like I am weary of them, but like I'm glad that we're past that. I'm glad that she can have some edge and have this much power and we're not afraid of that. We don't have to temper it. Yeah. No, we can play some garbage underneath her and it's like totally solidly okay. Yeah, know? like she doesn't have to she doesn't have to be like, well gosh, or like put on glasses when she's being a human or like be yeah. like a corn fed like country girl. Like you don't need yeah. any of that because it's it's not people are not gonna be freaked out by a supremely powerful being like this. Which I think is a yeah. sign of the times. Although I do think um I do think that we have seen that there are people who are still afraid of this. I, my main my main beef with Wonder Woman is that it's a fish out of water story. It's basically splash, except with more war. Um, and I'm glad also to see that this movie rectifies that. Like she is, this could have easily been a fish out of water. They could have easily made a bunch of like weird jokes about how like she's silly because she doesn't know how blockbuster works but instead yeah. it's more she's like oh boy like like when she talks though she's like oh okay yeah. oh captain fury you just finally ans- asked a relevant question like yeah it's very much i hold the cards and you're being foolish not like and wonder woman is very much like ice cream what's ice cream you know i also liked that she knows when people are um are are like teasing her even if she doesn't really understand how 
You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Like when he makes she doesn't the, get the joke. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't understand the reference, but she still can tell that it's not flattering, which I feel like is yeah. a fallacy in so many films that drives me nuts. I'm like, no, you know if someone's saying something unkind to you. Absolutely. Like absolutely you do. Yeah. So like she wouldn't they tell her she's dressed like she's or she looks like she's dressed for laser tag. She's like, mm, okay. Yep. All right, fun all right, funny boy. But her swagger makes her very likable, but she is not pleasing, and I like that. Carol Danvers uh, establishes the origins for Avengers in this Captain Marvel film. Uh, We have Nick Fury at the end of the movie writing up the Protector Initiative. And he's saying that, like, they need to find more people who are super because they weren't looking for her and they found her. So maybe there are more. And he ends up looking at her file and seeing that her plane had her name as Carol, quote, Avenger Danvers and changes the name from the Protector Initiative to the Avengers Initiative, therefore making Captain Marvel the origin story for the Avengers. Mary, I know that you're not super into the Marvel Universe, but uh, does this work for you? It's okay. Yeah, I mean, I know they have to connect the stories. Like, there's no way, two ways around that. I understand that. Um, and I'm fine with this connection. Um, I like that she's, like, the, you know, the reason for the season. Right. It's fun that she is, like, the Germanist, but it does not feel organic. No, it doesn't. And in fact, or if it does feel organic, it feels organic in a way that I don't think the movie intended it to, which yeah. is, like, one of those, you know how it's like, I feel like every every couple weeks a new story like this comes out where it's like, hey, you thought you knew everything about this this aspect of modern life. Well, actually, a woman invented that, but because garb- the world is garbage, we don't even know her name. Yeah, Nobody- we don't even acknowledge that she existed because women history. Right, so it's like no, a No, you're little- absolutely right. And I like, don't it- think that they meant to do that. That's no, like, that's clearly no. not their intention, but like- They want to retcon it, but the only way that it works yeah. in reality would be if like we literally erase the existence of this amazing female superhero because she's not physically there. I do think it's also funny that in this movie that is wonderfully anti-war, which I thought was great. Like, I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that it ends with Nick Fury basically being like, huh, well, I guess we did just stop, like, a uh, a refugee crisis across galaxies. But you know what we need to do? Strap iron! Like, it's just a little weird. Yeah. No, it's a it's little totally weird. Is. It totally is. It's totally a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, the whole I, point with this was wars were a mistake, and we're like attacking the wrong people. But you know what we should do? Maybe have some some warriors. You know? Yeah. He's like, we need more powerful people, like to help protect us from all the them's. Like it's just like it feels a little not quite right. I kind of want to ask you about one musical cue that has proved to be controversial, mm. and. I don't know if you'll know which one I'm talking about, but um, it is the one where in the middle of a fight, suddenly they start playing I'm Just a Girl by No Doubt. Um, Mary, how how did you feel about that musical? Well, I like that song. I I mean, Gwen Stefani. I do like that song, too. Gwen Stefani is a problematic white woman. Sure. Sure. I don't know if that's why people feel weird about it. Um, but sometimes I feel weird about that. I, I tend to, <laughs> this is not fair, but I tend to separate the work she did from no doubt to the work she did under one 
thousand percent because like we didn't you. have like we didn't have all the like racial appropriation in there and like I don't know and and to me honestly thinking about this movie as like a 90s a 90s love letter it doesn't feel complete that is feminist it does not feel complete without that song so mm-hmm. I am okay with it but um are people mad because uh because referring to her as a girl seems um dismissive no, no, no. It's two parts. It is both uh, Gwen's funny being a problematic figure, but also that like that song just feels tonally like like the other 90 songs that are in there by women are like grungier and it's like a very like kind of bopping beat. And it also feels like kind of pandering. Some people uh, were saying, which I get. I do think that maybe there's a different song that, that could have worked there, but um. But I, I mean, also in that moment I was mean, really excited because that's a song you and I used to play as we were driving all the time. around. Uh, I mean, pander yeah. to me. I don't know. Yeah. If, if this is, right? if, also, this is like, if this is pandering, is all pandering. I'll take double helpings, please. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't totally. know. I mean, like, <laughs> no, not- no, no, totally. Well, and I was, I was thinking about it. Like the whole reason why I thought about talking about the snow is that like we were talking about other Marvel movies and. I recently, because it's free to watch, I turned on Thor Ragnarok. I don't know if yes. you've watched that. I have actually seen that one because I was sold I was sold a bill of goods that was going to be like a buddy cop movie in space, and I was disappointed. It's definitively not that. But what I really enjoyed about <laughs> yes. it, the thing that like made me charmed from the beginning and like propelled me through, and honestly, this happened literally twice in the movie with the exact same song, was that I'm watching this movie about a Norse god fighting, and suddenly uh, we have... Led Zeppelin playing um, the immigrant song, and you have that like, ah, yeah, 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 yeah like yeah, while yeah, this guy's yeah, fighting, yeah. and like honestly, Norse mythology meets Led Zeppelin is definitely one of my happy places. So like, I was totally on board, which is why like thinking about this, I don't think that that's it's it's kind of similar. Like female badass meets I'm just a girl, but I know that I'm I'm kind of okay with it. Like. Yeah, no, I am too. I mean, like, honestly, since Guardians of the Galaxy, I feel like they know that people really enjoy listening to, like, kind of... Good music. Well, and, and, like, goofy music. Like, music that is not just orchestral and sweeping. Music that was not originally considered... diegetic or non-diegetic music in these scenes what was fun about guardians of the galaxy was they blended um because they made the soundtrack a plot point they blended uh diegetic non-diegetic music to make which is which is right which is cool but like i feel like now like marvel feels like it has carte blanche to do this in all its films and i kind of and i kind of feel like it should I yeah, think no, I like, am also okay with it. I yeah. am totally fine with if superhero movies wanted to like just full on be like, we are jukebox musicals now, I would probably like that them more. <laughs> yeah, I would no, be into I'm, it. Like it's I'm fucking down. Yeah. I don't I don't need really, really dark superhero movies. I'm okay with jukebox musical superhero movies. I want some uh Mamma Mia, but like with contemporary music oh mixed with uh oh superheroes. <laughs> please, please, please. But yes, no. No, I mean, so no, I I didn't have a problem with it. Yes, cool. potentially, if we had something that was more, um, more uh, indie or tough, that would be cool. But like, also at the same time, it was fun. Screw you, dude. Yeah, it's fun. It was fun. Literally, I went and saw it with someone who also like has an emotional attachment to that. We both were like, ah. and then I heard all these people talking shit about. It. I'm like, I get it. Like, it it looks a little bit silly, but also I don't care because I love it. Um, anyway. Yeah. Also, um, I definitely went to a uh, like all 
all ladies dance party kind of thing. And when I'm just a girl came on, I danced my feet off and everybody else oh did my too. God, it's so good to dance yeah. to. I think more like it's it's silly maybe for like an action fight scene, but like that's also the cognitive dissonance is what's fun about that scene. That's the whole point of like Guardians of the Galaxy is what you're talking about, you know? Yeah. Like it's it's <laughs> it's it's fun to listen to it's fun to listen to songs that you're like, oh I know every word to this song in a movie. Like kind of yeah. regardless of situation. Absolutely. So now we have a very, um, maybe the, the least fun topic of tonight. I'm glad we left it towards the end. Um, but this might be my favorite topic. I feel like this is what separates this movie from a lot of Marvel movies, to be honest with you. No, absolutely. And by, am I not fun? I just mean like more serious. All right. So, yes. So here we have the question of who is the hero and who's the villain in this film. Um, I kind of want to dig into how this film deals with colonization and the fact that, uh, Beers thinks that she's <clears throat> when Carol Danvers is Beers, she thinks she's uh, a Cree, a part of a race of noble hero warriors, uh, and doesn't second guess what they're told and what their mission is until confronted with the reality of finding out, like literally with a recording and with someone in front of her telling her the reality of the fact that the Cree are actually killing another race of people because they dare to um, stand up to them uh, is this a reflection of white feminism, at least in one small way. It's an analogy of like people who are trying to do good, um, but who are failing because they're not seeing the larger issues. Yeah, I, I loved that read of it. Um, I don't know if I would have arrived at it myself, so I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you thought of it because it's really smart. <laughs> cool. yeah. It's really smart. I mean, oh, thanks. Yeah, no, I like it as a read about white feminism. I feel like uh, I feel like she she comes around real quick, which is good. Um, oh, one hundred percent. Which, but also, it's helped by her woman of color best friend. Like, yes, that's true. That's true. And which, she's and she's that's open. The only- yeah, and she's yeah. open to it. And I guess what I'm what I'm just saying yeah. is I have not personally experienced anyone convert that hard. Um, no. Yeah. In, in that quickly. In that uh, successfully. Yeah. yeah. My fellow white feminists out there. <laughs> yeah. Mary and I would like do our very best not to fall into the white feminist trap. Um, obviously, we're not perfect and we have our own uh, baggage. We're constantly trying to check and sort out um, what do we carry in our backpack, etc., uh, but I, I am glad that it kind of gave us this moment to kind of face this, uh, the fact that, you know, she took for granted that like she was doing everything right and didn't really question, uh, the power. It's like what you've been talking about, about like uh, real genius. Like mm-hmm. what is it that the powers of B want you to do? Like, what are, what is the system that you're benefiting from and who is getting affected? Yeah a call to examine the people who give you the quote unquote truth. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I read it initially as a larger comment on wars in general and sure. how we frame the enemy who actually is the enemy. Um, and I think it's really highlighted, especially when she sees the refugees and she sees the children and you're like, yeah. Oh, they're blowing up kids. Like that's real messed up. Um, yeah, we we don't see a single Cree child, which I think also makes it easier to like have this like very like yeah. Um, it makes it easier to see the Cree as the worst. Also, if even if you've never read the comics, if you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy, the moment that Ronan is involved, like because 
you might have heard Cree and you're kind of kicking around the back of your head. I don't remember the Cree being good guys. And you see Ronan and you're like, oh no, they're, I think they're bad guys. I, guys, guys, I think we're watching a movie about villains. So, yeah. You know, yeah. Oh yeah, good call. But like, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't see, we don't see it from their perspective as well, but it's sort of like, you know, you have these, um, you have these systems of power uh, telling you that uh, these people are invaders and then you see them and you're like, oh, these people are just like need a home. That's what's going on. <laughs> and then yeah. and then it forces you um, to also consider you're like, oh, so we're threatened by these people because they can look like us. We can we there's no way to tell that they're different from us. Why is it so important that we're able to tell that. that they're different from us? Like, Love you know, that. No, and that's a great, great commentary on race and the fact that, like, if someone can pass which is something that comes from, you know, the one drop rule and like Jim Crow and whatever mm -hmm. that uh, the it's a threat because even though <clears throat> we know in South we all just talk about how race is genuinely just a construct it is something we have created um, as as a way to like sort humans. The idea that someone can um, pass out of that system and not be categorized. Uh, has been considered threatening. And so, yeah, having a race of people who can look like whoever they want, yeah, it is interesting that that is the threat. And, like, we even hear that. Uh, Carol talks about that. Like, have you ever been simmed by someone? Like, they consider that to be, like, like the most perverted thing that someone can look like them, you know? Yeah. And on the flip side, I think that you also have, like, kind of an interesting little moment of uh, of maybe a bit too lighthearted about like racial appropriation and identity theft at the end when they're yeah. all sitting around and they're like, and it's, it's, he's like, it's not really stealing. And then his wife's like, nah, it's stealing. It's absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, for sure. So I feel like, I feel like they, they kind of play with this concept, but obviously in this, in this particular story, the, the fact that they are persecuted because they can blend is, uh, was really right. interesting to me. Um, and, and ultimately I think drives home the further, like, the, like this whole construct of her, like having to reframe how she sees the world, um, further kind of pounds home the story of like, investigate and question the unjust systems that take powerful beings and make them into tools and make vulnerable folks and into the enemy. Like think yeah. about, think about like what your role is in your system and what you are fighting against or pushing against and really ask yourself if that who that serves does that serve an ideology does that serve morality or does it serve the people who have been in power for a very very long time absolutely absolutely does it serve the status quo and hegemony yeah. dope um mary i really enjoyed talking about this movie with you so good um, yeah. So would you recommend it? Yes. I know that you came into a little grumpy. Oh, so. my God. I was such a crab uh, and jaded. <laughs> yes, it proved me wrong. I really enjoyed this film. Um, who knows? Maybe I'll watch more Marvel movies. Although I'm worried now. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared to wait. I'm like, let me, let me, uh, let me, let, yeah. Yeah, let me like give that let me dip a toe in the water of that for you. No, I Pretty feel much. like I feel like I really turned on them because I felt politically like they were bankrupt or they yeah. were headed in a politically bankrupt uh, place of american exceptionalism and yeah. this this was a balm for my soul so i really i really enjoyed it absolutely this movie was like in so many ways it's so funny because it's a popcorn movie and it's very palatable but it's also pretty radical in a lot of its themes and 
that was nice. That was so nice. It was so, and it's funny because like, you're right. When Wonder Woman came out, like what, two years ago, like people were like, oh, it's a radical film. And it just, in comparison, it's like, you know, just like a sad trumpet noise. Like, you know, it's not. Yep. No, yeah, it's sad uh, trombone. Yeah. I'm very, I'm happy to be grateful for this film. Uh, whereas I feel annoyed that I have to be grateful for for um for Wonder Woman. And I think like you know from a feminist perspective the best the best thing it does a lot of cool stuff. The best stuff it does sure. from a feminist perspective I think is it tells a story that is uniquely female. You need a woman protagonist to make the story make sense. But yeah. it is every it is completely equal to a story that would be told about a male superhero like absolutely in every sense of the word so i like i like that about it a lot that's that that is important that's probably the most important feminist thing it does in this space well and i can't undersell the fact that like i think it is arguable she is the most powerful um hero that marvel has period uh yes i i mean and that that's, that's the idea pretty, right mega fun yeah exactly like that's i mentioned the superman problem because sometimes that means that like you have to figure out ways to sideline people um in order to make stories interesting but like i literally don't care um the bottom line is it's amazing to see a woman who is powerful both in her literal super power way but also was always a powerful woman who loved other women like, period. That's magic. Yeah. It's magic on its own. Yeah. So. And, you know, you know, Mar- Marvel is not a monolith. Who knows? In the next movie, whoever makes it may completely, like, backtrack on all of this and decide that she's not that, you know, like, who knows? Well, so next time um, we'll be taking on what is, in my opinion, and I think you agree with me, Kate, the best movie of 2018. Boots Riley's Sorry to Bother You. I love this movie. Woohoo! I can't wait to talk about this movie. It's going to be great. It's available to stream on Hulu right now. Yes. For free if you have the subscription. So get on it. Yes. And, and if you, you haven't watch, seen it. Sorry if, to bother you. Yes. And I don't believe in spoilers, but I will say if you have not seen this film, you should see it before you listen to the pod. Agreed. Agreed. This is like um, one of the few ones that I'm like, you should just watch it first. Just yeah. go to watch it. It's, yeah. it's, a lot of, it's a lot of fun. It's good. It's weird. It's awesome. Yeah. As always, uh, thank you for listening to Space Bras. Thanks for joining mm-hmm. us for this episode. We loved having you. Um, we want to make this a regular thing. We want you to listen to us on the reg. We want you to be tuning in. Keep up to date with all of our new episodes. And the best way to do that is to head over to Apple Podcast or the uh, pod catcher of your choice and subscribe. And if you're feeling it, uh, give us a little rating, write a little review, help us get our numbers up helps us out a lot yep and of course we have a website you can visit outrageousmechanisms.com slash space dash abrars to see our um show notes find like browse around easier looking at in a podcatcher find other episodes we've done that you're interested in and uh also check out the other podcasts on the outrageous mechanisms network excellent also don't forget to check us out on social media we're on your instagram and your twitter at space underscore bras that is B-R-A-S and not another alternative spelling. And 
Yeah. It's not spelled with a Z, despite the fact that everyone asks us if it's spelled with a Z. Yeah, it's not spelled with a Z. Oh, is that spelled with a Z? No. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but, and now, uh, we'd like to ask you to join us as we raise our glasses and give the official toast of Space Bras. In these troubled times, we must remember that even though everyone might suck, we are awesome and the galaxy is ours. Cheers! Outrageous?